the Wemmicks were a small wooden people. All of the wooden people were carved by a woodworker named Eli. His workshop sat on a hill and overlooked their village. Each Wemmick was different. Some had big noses, others had large eyes. Some were tall and others were short. Some wore hats, others wore coats. But all of them were made by the same carver and lived in the same village. And all day, every day, the Wemmicks did the same thing. They gave each other stickers. Each Wemmick had a box of golden star stickers and a box of gray dot stickers. Up and down the streets, all over the city, people spent their days sticking stars or dots on one another. The pretty ones, those with smooth wood and fine paint, always got stars. But if the wood was rough or the paint chipped, the Wemmick gave dots. The talented ones got stars too. Some could lift big sticks high above their heads or jump over tall boxes. Still others knew big words. Everyone gave them stars. And some Wemmicks, they had stars all over them. Every time they got a star, it made them feel so good. It made them want to do something else to get even another star. Others, though, could do little. And they got dots. Punchinello was one of those. He tried to jump high like others, but he always fell. And when he fell, the others would get him and give him dots. Sometimes when he fell, so the people would give him more dots. Then when he would try to explain why he fell, he would say something silly and the Wemmicks would give him even more dots. After a while, he had so many dots that he didn't want to go outside. He was afraid he would do something dumb such as forget his hat or step in the water and then people would give him another dot. In fact, he had so many gray dots that some people would come up and give him one for no reason at all. He deserves lots of dots. The wooden people would agree with one another. He's not a very good wooden person. And after a while, Punchinello believed them. I'm not a good Wemmick, he would say. The few times he went outside, he hung around other Wemmicks who had lots of dots. He felt better around them. Some of you may be familiar with this book, You Are Special, by Max Lucado. And some of you maybe can even consider yourself a little bit like Punchinello. 
the little wooden boy who walked around with gray dots. This auditorium is filled with lots of people. And if we lived in that village, some of us would be covered with gray dots, and some of you would be covered with gray stars. Devin, I, I wasn't looking at you. I mean, Devon, I wasn't looking at you when I, I, I said that. Maybe you have lots of... Should I call you doctor? Is it okay? That deserves another gold star, doesn't it? Right? But what if... What if you don't look quite like that? Maybe you don't have any letters at the end of your name. Where do you fit in? Maybe you can't jump that high or run that fast. Maybe you don't make that much money. Maybe you're not very articulate. Or maybe you just got a couple of gray dots and they just kept seeming to add up. And every time you got a gray dot, it was just another reason to get another one. We're all constantly tempted by the devil. Sometimes he fails, and sometimes we do. But he still uses his ploys and his schemes, like getting us distracted or angry or apathetic. He tries to convince us that we have plenty of time and not to worry or that we have no time at all and can't do the things that we really should be doing. He lulls us into believing that we're good based on our intentions or bad because of our inadequacies. He whispers that we should only focus on ourselves or screams at us that everyone else has gone mad. What works for some doesn't work for others. For some, he attacks with schedules and substances, and others, he pummels with selfish desires and insecurities. The good news is that you're not alone. The bad news is some of you still feel that way. Many of us can be in a room with dozens or hundreds of people and we still struggle with feelings of isolation and worthlessness. Or maybe we believe that the whole world is just against us. Or maybe the whole world was against us and we've already lost. There's lots of people in this world. I checked just before I came in here this morning, and according to the world population counter, there's 8 billion, 51 million, 276,621 people in this world. The problem is, that was about 40 minutes ago. And 259 people, on average, are born every minute, and 106 die every minute. So about four people are born every second, and one and a half die every second. And so that number is always fluctuating. But regardless, it's a really big number. 
And with over 8 billion people in this world, you're left to think only a couple of things. You might be near the very bottom of that group, or maybe you've convinced yourself that you're at the very top. Either way, it's a dangerous way to live your life. This morning, we're going to continue on in our series and look at this ploy of Satan that so easily entangles us. And that is comparing. How do you compare with other people? How do you match up? It's really, really hard not to do when you're walking around with over 8 billion people bumping elbows, sharing the road, and finding themselves in the same place. And so you're always asking yourself, where do I fit in? And, and 8 billion is a lot of people, and you, you couldn't possibly know that many, and you couldn't know 8 million. You would struggle to know 8,000 but there's a few hundred people that you're always walking around and you're always finding yourself comparing to them. Am I, am I a better spouse? Am I a better parent? Am I a better Christian? Am I a better neighbor? Am I a better driver? If you live in Hobbs, the answer is probably yes to that one. You're probably a better driver than the people around you. But we like to compare. It makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves. It, it allows us to justify the things that we do or the things that we don't do or the things that we should do. No, no, I'm, I'm not perfect. But I can tell you this, I'm not like Lynn Blackman. And so that can't be that bad. Or... I'm pretty good, but, oh, I'm not near as good as Winnie Dean. And so we're always left lifting ourselves up higher than we should or knocking ourselves down. And even if there aren't those literal gold stars and gray dots that people put on, we still feel them in our lives, don't we? You have a good intention and so you get a gold star and you completely flop and on January 3rd, you're eating donuts. Gray star. And so what do we do with all of this? Here's the problem. The problem is that while there may be others around us wanting to give us gold stars and gray dots, we have our own box of stars and dots. And if we're not putting them on other people, we're placing them on ourselves. And we're trying to convince ourselves that we can be good enough, that we are good enough, that we're better, that we deserve that we're entitled, and maybe even enough that we think that God owes us. 
Because gold star folks, we all showed up to church this morning. That's got to be worth something. We literally had gold stars that we got when I was a kid. If you showed up to Sunday school, you got a star. If you brought your Bible, you got a star. If you brought a can of food, you got a star. That was a double bonus. That was a way of not only getting a star on Sunday morning, but making sure that we didn't have peas later on that week at home. I always grabbed the peas and, and gave them away. If you brought a friend, you got a star. If you knew your memory verse, you got a star. And I can remember that competition, and that was like the most important thing in my life from, you know, six to ten years old, was making sure I had more stars than, than Luke Miller and Bo Rankin. Well, and then it got really hard, because then the preacher's kid came along. And when Lon Kill showed up, it was like a battle to the death. I tried to bring three and four cans of peas, thinking I would get more stars, and was told I still get one for that. I didn't take them back home, though. <laughs> Somebody needed to eat them. But we try to give ourselves stars. We try to convince ourselves and others that, that we're better. Better than who? Better than they are? Better than our parents? Maybe you're better than a sibling that's always in the spotlight. Maybe you just want to convince yourself that you're better than you really feel that you are. And so what do we do with this? Well, the good thing is, is that we have a little bit more of this story to read. So I want to pick up where we left off with Punchinello not wanting to go outside because he was covered with gray dots. One day, he met a Wemmick who was unlike any he had ever met. She had no dots or stars. She was just wooden. Her name was Lucia. It wasn't that people didn't try to give her stickers. It's just that the stickers didn't stick. Some of the Wemmicks admired Lucia for having no dots. So they would run up and they would give her a star. But it would fall off. Others would look down on her for not having stars. And so they would give her a dot. But those wouldn't stay either. That's the way I want to be, thought Punchinello. I don't want anyone's marks. So he asked the stickerless Wemmick how she got it. It's easy, Lucia replied. Every day I go to see Eli. Eli? Yes, Eli, the woodcarver. I sit in the workshop with him. 
Why? Why don't you go find out for yourself? Go up the hill. He's there. And with that, the Wemmick, who had no stickers, turned and skipped away. But will he want to see me? Punchinello cried out. Lucia didn't hear. So Punchinello went home. He sat near a window and he watched the wooden people as they scurried around, giving each other's other stars and dots. It's not right. So he decided to go see Eli. He walked up the narrow path to the top of the hill and he stepped into the big shop. His wooden eyes widened at the size of everything. The stool was as tall as he was. He had to stretch on his tippy toes to see the top of the workbench. A hammer was as long as his arm. Punchinello swallowed hard. I'm not staying here. And he turned to leave. And then he heard his name. Punchinello? Punchinello stopped. Punchinello, how good to see you. Come and let me have a look at you. Punchinello turned slowly and looked at the large bearded craftsman. You know my name? The little Wemmick asked. Of course I do. I made you. Eli stooped down and picked him up and he set him on a bench. Hmm. The maker spoke thoughtfully as he looked at all the gray dots. Looks like you've been given some bad marks. I didn't mean to, Eli. I really tried. Oh, you don't have to defend yourself to me, child. I don't care what other Wemmicks think. You don't? No. And you shouldn't either. Who are they to give stars or dots? They're Wemmicks just like you. What they think doesn't matter, Punchinello. All that matters is what I think. And I think you're pretty special. <laughs> Punchinello laughed. Me? Special? Why? I, I can't walk fast. I can't jump. My pain is peeling. Why do I matter to you? Eli looked at Punchinello, put his hands on those small wooden shoulders, and spoke very slowly. Because you're mine. That's why you matter to me. Punchinello had never had anyone look at him like this, much less his maker. He didn't know what to say. Every day, I've been hoping you would come, Eli explained. I came because I met someone who had no marks, said Punchinello. I know. She told me about you. Why don't the sticker stay on her? The maker spoke softly. Because she has decided that what I think is more important than what they think. The stickers only stick if you let them. What? The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, 
the less you care about their stickers. I'm not sure I understand. Eli smiled. You will, but it will take time. You've got lots of marks. For now, just come to see me every day and let me remind you of how I care for you. Eli lifted Punchinello off the bench and set him on the ground. Remember, Eli said as the Wemmick walked out the door, you are special because I made you and I don't make mistakes. Punchinello didn't stop, but in his heart he thought, I think he really means it. And when he did, a dot fell to the ground. Satan is really trying to cover your life with gray dots, to fill your mind with shame and regret and heartache and worthlessness that you feel about yourself and that others feel about you. What might your kids say about you? What would your ex-wife say about you? What would your boss say about you? What would that boyfriend in high school say about you? What would your mom say about you? And those dots just fill us up and they overwhelm us and they leave us believing that we aren't special, that we weren't created by God and nobody in all the 8 billion people in this world really care about us. And if we did, we rank somewhere down at the very, very bottom. Every time a child is born, there's somebody more special in the world than you. And it leaves you broken and hurting, worthless, or maybe even a little cynical. And maybe you think, if I can put more gray dots on somebody else, I won't notice all the ones that are on me. Or maybe you just have embraced the fact that everybody wants to give you a gray dot. And you think that if God had one, he would put one right on you. And so we compare and we posture and we shame ourselves or we shame other people. I don't know how he does it. I can't fathom it. I, I don't really understand it. I just know that all of the 8 billion, 50 million people in this world right now, that God loves every single one of them and all the ones who have come before. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, we have this list of all these, these great men and women of faith. And then chapter 12 starts out with this. Since then we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders us 
and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I want to change that just a little bit. That race marked out for you. Your race. Doug, we have the same name, but we have a different race that we're running. Where's, I, I don't see Ryan in here. Ryan's at the back, and Elena's right here. I mean, think about this for a second. You guys were born on the same day, right? I'm assuming that'd be really hard. But y'all are born on the same day, in the same hospital, in the same city, to the same family. You grew up with the same parents and the same little sister. You go to the same school and the same church, right? In so many ways, you're the same. But I want you to know, you're really, really very different. And you're both beloved by God. And the way that Ryan chooses to live his life and the way that you choose to live your life are going to be different. But it's your race and it's the path that God has laid out for you and for each one of you. God has a walk set out for you. And it is going to involve some stumbling and some falling and some failing. And we have a God who says, but fix your eyes upon Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. When you're struggling with those gray dots, that insecurity, that worthlessness, consider him. When you look around and think, well, I'm better than everybody else around here, consider him. And fix our eyes upon Jesus. And be reminded that God created you, and he loved you, and he's called you. And he calls you his own. And this morning, I just want to call you to join us as we sing a song for a God, a creator, a father who loves us and who loves to be with his children. Please join me this morning as we stand and sing.